Today on CityCast Pittsburgh. Dozens of Pittsburgh public schools went virtual last week, not because of COVID, but because of extreme heat. The buildings that city kids are learning in are so old. WESA reports they're an average age of 89 years old, so most of them don't have air conditioning and they can't be retrofitted with building-wide systems. But the district could be doing more, and little by little, our region will definitely be getting hotter. We're with the district's leading advocacy organization to talk about the options. It's Tuesday, June 6th. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh's talking about. I'm with James Fogarty of A Plus Schools. James, I feel like you and I are never talking about good stuff. What's Come going on? on now, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, I mean, I usually get called when like there's a problem. So I know, uh, I know, and I, I know you shared working space in one of these super old buildings. What's it been like on one of those ninety plus degree days? Man, it's it's hot in those buildings, right? Like, so you know, you go up and. Uh, and you see kids uh, that are sweating and you see teachers sweating. And, uh, you know, I I mean, for us, we recognize that there's just, uh, there's a lot of priorities in the district and getting some of our capital improvements done that need to be done like HVAC are important. Um, It's, it can be, it can be tough. It can be tough to teach. It can be tough to learn um, when it's super hot. Do the buildings ever get to cool off even overnight? Like, I know you can't open windows in a school building. Like, it's a security thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, that's partially why I think the, the district came out, right? And made this plan around, like, if we're going to hit this heat index, we're probably going to just need to, to shut down for, for kids and for, for the teachers. And the plan is a virtual learning plan to a lot for these 90 plus degree days when it's just like not safe for kids to be in these buildings. That's right. That's right. And we're not the only district, right? You're seeing Philly uh, had some closures last week and went to remote and some other districts across the state have done that. Now, you know, districts in our region, right? Like it is, the, it are, you know, Pittsburgh has some of the oldest buildings. Um, and so for that reason, you see, many more of our buildings closing than, um, you know, outer lying suburban districts. Is this a uniquely like Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania thing? I mean, I've heard of like some school districts in New England, for example, like when they were built, like we had the weather that was fine for that. You know, it was it was a different time. But now with climate change and everything else. I mean, I think just a few degrees difference, right, makes a huge difference for kids. And especially when you think about school years and the times in which kids were coming in, right? Like maybe you had a few hot days in August, but things were starting to cool off by September and then things start heating up by June when you're heading out. Um, But, you know, climate change means two, three, four degree difference. And then that's average, right? So that can mean 20 degree difference, right? So it's like... You know, how do we adjust for a new reality that is just going to be hotter? It's just going to be hotter. So um, we had like a year ago said, hey, if there's anything you can do. And again, I said this as a parent um, and as an advocate, if there's anything you can do with some of the federal dollars to put 
even just temporary like wall units with Mitsubishi makes a nice product, right? <laughs> it doesn't need mm-hmm. to be ventilated. You mean like the ones that stick in windows or something no, else? No, they're like ones that you can actually put on the, like put on a wall where you don't have access to ventilation, like e- external ventilation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, part of the, I think part of the issues, right? Like, you know, any one of us can come up with like a, Hey, this sounds good. Right. Uh, and then when you're inside a system, right, it's, much more difficult to see how and I, you know they they have clear lines of sight on like okay how do we implement that and what are the trade-offs of taking this recommendation from an advocate to take to go buy a bunch of these wall-mounted units to get them in i have no clue right what like the electrical capacity is in most of these buildings could it have handled it or not i don't know um, i have yeah. no clue sort of what what it would take to like mount these things. Could our walls handle it? Are they built for it? Right. Like, so there's a bunch of questions that the district didn't answer, but unfortunately there weren't, they weren't either able or didn't put those wall mounted units in. And so. Yeah. I know you, you made that recommendation for some air conditioning units using, I think it was pandemic relief money back in 2022. Mm -hmm. Um, what are the schools doing about this, you know, other than closing the building? Yeah. So they've got like, you know, they're doing more like full HVAC, like implementation in older buildings. Right. So much deeper um, work uh, across a whole building, again, can only be really done in the summer because you're adding. And expensive work. Right. And slow, slow work. I think the district said they're only going to get to four That's this right. summer. That's right. So you can't, you can't do a ton of them and especially with the money the capital costs of like implementing a full new hvac system you got to design there's a lot of lead time on design because you got to think about like where do i place this stuff in a building where those those access points weren't really thought of when it was built right it was like open the windows um and so i think what that just takes a lot longer and then you know you're also doing this in the context of considering closing some buildings as we lose as we continue to lose student population so i wasn't it wasn't like i was like fired up that we were closing but i totally get it like they come out of those buildings some days just red and sweaty and um you know that's tough it's tough on them um it's tough for the teachers because everyone's everyone's struggling i mean i'm cranky when i'm hot right so i know (laughs) i know my kids get cranky too what are the effects of a hot classroom on learning? I mean, aside from crankiness, which is not going to help anyone, right? So there's, a, I mean, like, so there's actually some research that's been done on this, right? I think in my testimony last year, I cited a paper from the National Bureau of Economic Research that says, I think it was like two tenths of a standard deviation equated to a few, uh, I want to say a couple months of learning, like over, again, over time, right? Yeah. Um, so it's like, it was enough for the for the folks to say, yeah, heat does have an effect on learning, and they could quantify it, you know, within a range uh, that was less less. So the big statement is less learning happens when you're hot, right? Um, because I think it, for both for two reasons, right? Both your capacity to cognitively process, and then also the the capacity of the educator to be able to like manage what's going on in the classroom is diminished.
The show today is brought to you by an incredible local resource, AIDS Free Pittsburgh, and their pledge to end the HIV AIDS epidemic in Allegheny County by 2030. If that is a cause that is close to your heart, make sure you're around for their biggest event of the summer, the sixth annual Too Hot for July. It is a party, but it is also a chance to get confidential HIV and STI testing for free, plus info on the incredible preventative medicines we have now to keep yins happy, healthy, and feeling your most confident out on the town. So come on out to Allegheny Commons East Park on Thursday, May 30th. Yes, July is in the name, but the event is in May. Don't get confused. May 30th from 4 to 10 p.m. There will be DJ sets, a health fair and marketplace, a ballroom-inspired dance battle, cash bar, food trucks, and more. Plus, a performance by Tony Award winner Alex Newell, a.k.a. Unique, from Glee. This is all thanks to True Tea Pittsburgh and so many folks doing the good work out here in the community. So do not miss out. Learn more at TooHotForJuly.com. When we're talking about retrofitting buildings, some of which are, you know, on the upper end, 100 years old, um, how do you think that the district is balancing all of that with declining enrollment? I think last I saw they're down like 20 percent since 2016. I don't know how many kids that actually equates to. It has about 4,000 kids. If you look by like 2030, I think like the total loss like between 2016 and 2030 would be close to like 7,000 kids. So... Do we even need all these buildings then? Yeah, no. I mean, right now we have basically double the capacity uh, for the build, for the kids that we have, right? Just based on a... Which means that the district is paying to maintain all these buildings that we're not using now and won't use in the future. That's right. That's right. We have, I mean, a couple years ago, they were spending almost four times as much on, I think it's like closer to three now, on custodial and maintenance folks for buildings as we were on counselors and social workers, right? So like, and again, on the the big scheme though, you know, most of our payment is going to personnel, right? And which is, again, we have low teacher turnover. That's a good thing. And we're not going to save a ton. You know, I think the estimates a couple of years ago, and maybe it's gone up with inflation, but like the esti- cost estimates were between one and $2 million dollars of savings per building closed because you don't really, you know, the students move, you don't really reduce a ton of teachers per se, right? As a result, um, you do probably reduce some of the maintenance staff, you merge administrative roles and people may retire. So you have some attrition there. Um, But yeah, no, we have a lot of buildings for too few kids and it does have programmatic impacts too. Like to me, it's more about like, can I have access to a ton of electives in a high school if the high school continues to get smaller and smaller, right? Um, yeah. And can we, do you have all the all the supports available um, for kids in a building, you know, the diverse interests, diverse, you know, disabilities that they have, if you're spreading those kids kind of out across a bunch of buildings, right? So Yeah, well, how does consolidation work? Because like, I know closing a community school can, first of all, just be very sensitive. Mm-hmm. People have strong feelings about that. But also like logistically, you need kids to be near where they live so they, they can get there. I mean, yes and no. Like the, the near part is interesting just because we're a city where almost 60% of the 
the kids make a choice not to go to their neighborhood school. There's no neighborhood school that has greater, like the capture rate for the kids in the area mm -hmm. that's uh, greater than 50%. Really? None. Yeah. So like, and it's like South Pittsburgh has the highest utilization and even those are like in 45, 46%. Is that ideal? Is that what we, we should want? <sighs> I don't, or is that just you, like a product of our charter system? It's not even charters. I mean, there's the think about all the magnets within the district too, right? Like yeah. most, like if you look at if you look at utilization, right? Like white families are typically using um, magnets in private schools. Black families are typically using charters and magnet schools as their choice schools, right? So when you see the kind of differences, um, you know, you you have like a city where you know, there's about 35,000 kids um, in the city, a little less than, you know, 6,000 of the kids that live in the city um, go to charters. Um, 20,000 go to our, our district public schools and the rest are private homeschool. Some we don't know, right? <laughs> like okay. there's just a, yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, the, the choice, I mean, I think families are always going to want choices for their child that meet the needs of the child, right? Like you know, if a child's artistic and CAP is a good option, great, go go take that. I think I think for us, what we're trying to figure out is like, what do family? Okay, so like we, don't, I don't know if we know really well, like what is driving your family's decision to send a child across the city. But to take advantage of like a magnet or even a charter, you know, you need the resources to actually get there. You need the support services to make sure that that's possible for you and your family. Sure, but like those are pretty. Those are pretty well set. No, no, Meg, they're just really set up. Like, you know, if I if I say, hey, I'm sending my kid to a charter, I've got transportation. The district has to transport my child. If I say I'm sending my kid to a private school, the district has to transport my child to that private school if it's within 10 miles of the city. So I don't need, I mean, that's a resource that's checked, right? Um, and if I, if I make, the problem is in like the decision-making and the understanding, there's like this knowledge difference, right? Yeah, well, that's kind of what I'm getting at, I guess, is like, does it, in in effect, create another disparity where we end up with more black and Latino children are in these old buildings, hot as heck, not able to learn, because they, there's just a difference. Yeah. Yeah, without, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Without a doubt, right? Like, I mean, if you look at what was open, I mean, you know, there are a couple schools that are been retrofitted that also serve predominantly black and brown kids, like Arlington pre-K to eight is one that was recently redone and has AC. So it didn't close last week, right? Um, and, which is great because that, that school had some of the highest rates of chronic absence in the city last year, right? So not creating a situation where it's like, hey, we're getting to the end of the school year and don't come, right? Like it was good that it was open. Um, but my, my worry is the one you just pointed out, right? That, that we do have... Um, predominantly black and brown kids in old buildings that aren't able to get in. So when do we get to this? The, the issue I have is like in talking to board members is like, when can we get to this conversation? That's, that's about the future, right? That's about like, what's the, what's the district that we want for our children? What are the programs, services and, and opportunities we want to create? And then how do we start to think about consolidation? Not as like just losing buildings, but actually planning for something bigger and better. James Fogarty is the executive director of A-plus Schools. Thank you so much. Thank you, Megan. Appreciate the time. A little more news before you go. 
Speaking of Pittsburgh Public, Oliver Citywide Academy will be closed through the end of the year. Students will finish their final few days remotely after a 15-year-old student there was shot and killed just outside the school. His name was Derek Harris, and he is the second student killed at Oliver in the last two school years. One board member recently criticized the district in an op-ed in the Trib for not talking more about his death and how to prevent future ones. The board is planning to talk about the future of the school during a committee meeting tonight at 5.30. You can stream that online at pghschools.org. And some good news, there's a new Kidsburg summertime passport to help families make the most of this season. It's free, all on your phone, via text or email, no apps to download, and you can earn prizes for checking in at the museums or at Kennywood, any participating attraction that is recommended by Visit Pittsburgh to get the good deals and discounts. There's a link to it in our Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If Yins have any thoughts, ideas, suggestions, even gripes, you can always let us know by calling or texting us. That's 412-212-8893. Or you can email us. We're Pittsburgh at CityCast.fm and on Twitter and Instagram at CityCastPGH. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk to y'all soon. Oh, yeah, that mic's much better, Um, but I can definitely hear your air conditioning. I guess that's apropos.